Hello, fermented folks. Uh, welcome to Fermented Fiction, the official podcast of the Cascade Writers. Um, we are talking today. Ooh, look at that. Just wow. check it. Nina, go to the workshop if you live in Washington. Do it. Do it. If you are like 75% of the show, go to the workshop. AKA you live in Washington. I am the one who doesn't live in Washington. <laughs> Colin, we can't hear you. Yeah, cannot hear any of what you're saying. You are you, silent. Mm-hmm. You done been muted, boy. Well, while Colin figures all out, I'm going to continue with the intro to the video, and then he's going to tell us about the Cascade Riders Workshop. Uh, The intro that we're going through, as you can tell, I'm in a different location right now. How is it working now? Oh, yeah. Yeah, tell us about it. I don't know what happened. We use it for uh, my life update. Cascade Riders. Hold on, Colin. We're using it for my life update. He's like, after you. Well, sick. (laughs) Well, we're not. (laughs) Okay, so today we are talking about a book. Uh, that was narrated by our very own Pedro Pascal. We love you, Pedro. Um, mm-hmm. I got to pull up. We do. This is how how in love with Pedro I am. I have to pull up the actual author. <laughs> Leopold Gout. Leopold Gout. Um, who wrote the book Ghost Radio. It is about a radio and spookiness. I mean, the title kind of tells you the general vibe, but it gets a little deeper than than just a ghost and a radio. Um, but mm-hmm. Pedro Pascal narrated it. So we're going to talk about that. This is the show we do that. So before we start, you got a life update? Yeah. Uh, so we'll take it back to the beginning of fermented fiction. Mm. Not, And I do mean just, you know, fermented fiction as a show itself, uh, because technically it was Sinister Soup first, but we're not going back to the beginning of Sinister Soup. We're going back just to the beginning of Fermented Fiction. And it began at a drunken karaoke night with the guy in the top left corner there, Colin, pointing. And we were we were drinking, we were attempting to sing, and we were listening to a man tell us way more than anyone should know <laughs> about... Uh, the culture of Tolkien's universe, in particular, uh, the subtle nuances of of sort of modern sociological ideas as they would exist in Tolkien's universe, uh, especially with regards to orc culture, dwarf culture. It was it was fascinating, fascinating yeah. stuff. Um, he gave us literally a doctoral thesis while we were sitting there uh, enjoying a few tasty brews in Bremerton, Washington. And why were we in Bremerton, Washington, you might ask? Because... No, not because we were going to join the military, but rather because we were there to continue being writers and to get better at our craft. And we were doing that through the Cascade Writers Workshop. Uh, Colin knows a lot more about it than I do because he is the programming chair of the Cascade Writers. I am a a social media team guy these days. Um, But the Cascade Writers really was a huge step in my writing career. It gave me a lot of motivation to uh, try a little harder, um, to take it more seriously. And it gives you a lot of direction on uh, how you can do that with your craft. And it all, you also meet a bunch of people who are out there actively doing it. And I think, in, in my experience, that's one of the most powerful things for, for people who are new to a, a career, especially a creative career, 
Um, cause it's not like a lot of jobs where you can work your way up and there's sort of a logical, like proven path to the top. There really isn't. Um, you just have to grind and, and tell good stories and meet people and, and hope that you meet the right people and have the right story when you do. And conferences are the best way to do that. Cascade Writers is an awesome three-day workshop. We have tons of really, really good pros coming. Uh, they lead critique groups, so you get to work with the pros one-on-one, -on -one, and then you also get to attend panels, and at the end you get to pitch to an agent. So it's kind of everything rolled up in one, and it's also a small, intimate conference, um, which is cool. You really get to know people. Um, like, we'll be singing karaoke with the panelists this year, you know? It's already been established on the Discord. We're going back. We're going to sing karaoke again. And it's it's going to be sick. Um, and they're so going to yell at us for taking beers on the patio. They they probably will do that, but you know we'll check our, yell right check back our ideas. At them. We'll yell right back at them, of course, in the in the form of song, because that's what that's what you're doing if you go to a karaoke night is you're just screaming at the bar staff uh, in the form of your favorite songs. So yeah. Uh, Colin, did you want to say anything about the workshop that I missed? That was just a very brief summary of kind of what it meant to me the first time, and I'm excited to do it again. It's awesome. Yeah, we have all Cascade writers here, so a bunch of authors, uh, plus ones that have we've done interviews with on the show. Uh, Michael, for instance, who we interviewed, Spencer Ellsworth, who we interviewed. We'll probably have Randy on here eventually, maybe Curtis. Curtis would be so, so funny. He's hilarious. <laughs> uh, you know, awesome stuff coming. I'm sure we'll have to talk. We talked about Spencer uh, and his love of uh, Transformers during our interview. I'm sure that'll come up again in our workshop this summer. Uh, it is uh, July 21st. So if you're listening to this and you're interested, you need to sign up right now because signups will end at the end of May for the critique groups. Although you can also pay like half that price for um, go showing up and being at the panels. So you can still get a bunch of cool stuff in, meet everybody, um, even if you miss the window for signing up for the critique groups. But the critique groups have to send a writing sample that's then critiqued in your critique group, including one, maybe two professionals, uh, agents or authors or publishers. Uh, so anyway, that takes a while to do. So we need to have a mm -hmm. limit uh, time frame for that. Otherwise, you can still uh, you can still join us anyway. July yeah. weekend of the 21st. This is the program for last year, by the way. <laughs> yeah, we have a new logo now. Uh, we're also uh, probably still taking volunteers. You know, if you're listening to this show and you'd like to do the panels only, you could try hitting me and calling up and we can see if we still need volunteers. Um, it's possible you could get a panels only for free. Um, but the critique workshop is always going to always going to cost. So I'm um, an yeah. agent pitch. We also uh, those are kind of the big draws. Uh, Cascade Writers is a nonprofit, too, so supporting fermented fiction supports a nonprofit and vice versa so they help us we help yeah. them we're also a nonprofit but that's not really on purpose travis what's your life update we're a zero profit <laughs> i don't know how i'm supposed to follow that um i am in full summer mode i got some shorts and polos at costco <laughs> Ooh. Bargain. Oh boy. That's <laughs> you and bill gates are hot in here tell you what just right here it's mm. nice little golf shirt kind of polo. Hey, that looks great. Yeah. Costco. <laughs> it's that hard to say great. no when they say $15 pants. And you're like, wait, what? Uh, it's it's got... working. You're looking like a professional bum. Wait, here's the other one. Looking like that Bozeman ready. 
lifestyle. Yeah, that's that's Bozeman swag. Oh man, those are some shorts, all right. Thirty-two. I think I'm literally wearing those shorts right now. Actually, there you go. That's my life update. <laughs> These are REI shorts, so you know you got to wear one or the other in the Pacific Northwest. Either Costco or REI. That's it. Mm-hmm. Great so. Yeah, I've got some outstanding warrants for that. Yeah. You either spend nine hundred dollars on pants or nine dollars on pants, and there is no in between. Costco yeah. or REI. Costco. All right. Like us in the and subscribe. Yeah. Support Costco. Us. You know you want a piece Good of this Costco. action. We already support you, Costco. This involuntary nonprofit action. We ball on a That's budget. true. I actually I'm living on Costco right now. I have a um I got a whole Costco stash in the corner of Sick. my house. It's great. Uh-huh. I'm ready to go. They had that backpacker, backpacker's pantry deal, and I was like, yeah, I'm going to need preppers? that. Any preppers out there? Probably great for them. Oh, yeah. you know? Preppers love Costco, bro. Preppers love Costco. Yeah, they're all about that. I don't think there's a store they like more than Costco. Maybe Walmart, you know. Sam's Club? Well, that's just, just Costco in places that don't have Costco. Do, do we even have Sam's Club in Washington? I'm not going to yeah, act like I know that. We do? <laughs> yeah. Okay. I wasn't asking you, Jeremy. I'm never asking you. <laughs> that's good. <laughs> I'm glad you know. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what? I think I can count on the the you know on this show. I could probably count on like the on one hand the number of times I've been asking you. You know what Costco doesn't have? happy people. Uh, brilliant to... discussion about yeah. We were on the same page. Yeah, Forced we were on the same page. Oh yeah, that's that a pretty that good. <laughs> the Jeremy happy people. Yep. I would. Well, I, I don't know. Really don't think that's the facts. I'm pretty happy. No, I. It, so. I yeah, that's guessing. kind of flipping our narrative here, pal. Yeah, that might have lost us. We're trying to get Costco to. God damn it, Jeremy. Anyway, all right, well. Force control. So, when you guys see season two, and we're not saying the official podcast of the podcast writers, thank you, Special Bruce, for the beers. Thank you, Costco, for all the free food. It's because of Jeremy, and y'all heard it here first just now. You heard it in in real time, and that's really too bad. Yeah. You you watched history not happen. You watched it disintegrate before your eyes. Indeed. And you're welcome. You Only here. Only I here. don't feel welcome. That's uh, fine. You know what? Who else doesn't feel welcome sometimes is ghosts. And we're going to talk oh, about some ghosts right now. Beautiful segue. But they're welcome in one place, Jeremy. And you know where that place is? This is one of the times. Do I know where that place you. is? Oh. Uh, yeah, where ghosts are welcome. Are they welcome occasionally on the radio? Oh, yeah. Oh, hell yeah. Oh, yeah. Especially if Joaquin Lame is hosting that radio show, bro. Yeah, bro. All right. So we're moving into our Force Entrollment segment. That's where, if you've never watched a show before, we're going to roll two D20s. High roll defends Ghost Radio, no matter what they actually think about it. Low roll will attack Ghost Radio, no matter what we actually think about it, because Ghost Radio is a subject of our show today. We'll debate for 10 minutes, then Jeremy will tell us to shut up, even if we're mid-sentence. Yeah, and then you know. after that, we'll do our other segments. We have three more after that. It's quite a ride, y'all. You're in here for quite a ride tonight. Ghost Radio, we'll sum it up real quick. Ghost Radio by Leopoldo Gout. Gout, that is a really hard name for me to say together. Leopoldo Gout is uh, the story of Joaquin, who is a radio host of a show where he talks about people's paranormal experiences. Um, and it, uh, you know, it goes deeper than that. But that's the the broad premise. He hosts a radio show. Uh, he's moving from being a Mexican radio show exclusively to moving into the state side um, and getting his show on a on a more international level. 
Um, and he's got his girlfriend, Alondra, who is also on the show. The The book is very much about their relationship uh, and their journey to where Ghost Radio has reached a level of success and uh, acclaim that it's being considered for an international programming slot. And it, uh, Joaquin comes from a very dark past of like heavy metal music and experimental art in the uh, in the musical sphere. So he uh, he went pretty hard there when he was younger, Joaquin, and, and now he's a ghost radio host. And that's kind of where the story starts. And we will spoil everything else about it as we talk about it right now. So if you want to read Ghost Radio, and uh, I will not suggest that you do right now because you don't know what I actually think. Whoa. But if you want to actually read Ghost Radio, spoiler free, you should stop listening now. Come back to the show later. When you've read it, have your own opinion. And then you can hear what we think. But for now, we're going to roll some dice. Travis, how are you feeling about it? You ready to roll some dice? I have to roll on my phone this time because I've still been setting up stuff in the new space. <laughs> That's cool. This is computer on computer violence because I'm also rolling on my fo- my uh, computer. That's good. That tower was an unfair advantage. It absolutely no. was. No. <laughs> All right. You ready? Yeah, Let's I go. rolled. What? Yeah, you didn't touch gloves. We touch gloves after we roll. Oh, yeah. About to start the debate. Act like you've been here before. This guy's running the center of the ring, holding his glove up in the air like I'm supposed to come touch it. I'm still bouncing, bro. I'm still in my corner bouncing. I rolled a 19. I got a two. (laughs) (laughs) I got a two. All right. Oh, yeah, your voice back. No dice tower. Well, now we have to do a John Henry thing. Yeah, we have to do a John Henry thing now where I will take this program against the dice tower and we'll see if the dice tower can we'll outroll the, the machine dice tower wins. yep i like that yeah. Yeah. we'll have to test it we'll figure for it science. out it's for science yeah. that's what we care about here on all right fiction. you ready oh yeah let's have a good clean or i don't know do like argue with one another for our viewers whether you mean it or not uh so we're gonna yeah do that in the three yeah, oh, oh, it's coming off. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, yeah, in three, in two, in the thing that's less than two, one of the many things that's less than two, one, go. All right. Ghost Radio by Leopoldo Gout. Let's be real. Just like every other review you read on Goodreads or Amazon about this book, we really came here for Pedro. Everybody came for Pedro. And it was hilarious. I was looking at the reviews and like literally like it would be like five reviews that start with that and they all start it like they're apologizing for something. But nobody's apologizing. Come on. But it's okay to be here for Pedro, y'all. You know? We're doing a whole month about Pedro. So that's what got us there, right? And needless to say, it's a great audiobook performance. And it is really interesting that the main draw for this book for a lot of people seem to be the narrator because that is rare in the audiobook world. There's a few narrators that have that kind of uh, clout, but not very many. Pedro uh, stars like Pedro Pascal, like A-list Hollywood stars are very rarely in the like fiction audiobook world uh, because they make a lot more money in the Hollywood world. So, I mean, again, it happens, but most people don't come for the narrator but for this book it's a uniquely cool advantage because this book is literally about a radio host so listening to it on audiobook kind of has a special level of appeal 
um, and I the the producers of the audiobook did an excellent job. They had great music, they had sound effects, but not too many, not so many that it was like that pseudo theatrical type of audiobook. I'm not a fan of those. Like I know I'm I know I'm listening to a book. Just read me the book. Um, and Pedro did a great job as Joaquin. Um, he did a great job like hosting a show. I felt like I was listening to to a radio show as I listened to this book. So I often will. There's a few narrators again that I will say like listen to listen to it, don't read it. Actually, as an audiobook fan, but not a, not many. Um, this is one of them. I uh, but actually not as as good as Pedro is. I recommend that more because of the the content of the book itself. Uh, you feel like you are very much in Joaquin's world if you're listening to uh, Pedro Pascal voice him because, yeah, he's a radio host and he's obsessed with sound. Uh, the very uh, core of the novel is all about like the obsession of sound and sound is art and ways to experiment with that and ways that art has been used in a spiritual sense all the way back uh, to the ancient people of Central America. So it was a really cool uh, way to explore the narrative. Um, I, I love the concepts. I love the vibe of it. I like the dialogue. Um, Joaquin was a really fun character for me. Uh, definitely like relate to him as a, a uh, when I was a young grungy artist, I didn't do music, but I was uh, very much had that like attitude towards the world that Joaquin had. And I kind of uh, related really hard to that, maybe a little harder than uh, I should be proud of, but there it is. Um, so that'll be that'll be my opening arguments. I, I thought it was very fun. I love the atmosphere of it. And I think you should experience it, experience it as an audiobook because it's very thematic. I thought that it was a bit, it's so, the whole story kind of banks on this almost gimmick of the radio. The radio show is like this bringing spirit. Like if you speak these uh, spiritual near death experiences and ghost experiences into the world, like the them becoming reality, that again is a paint by numbers thing that we've seen in a lot of different other stories. Um, I don't think this one does it too bad, but I th wish it would have like stuck with that as its basis, as it's, like, I think this is a debut novel. I'm not, I'm reading right now. If yes, it's it not, is. Yeah, so this is Gout's debut novel, and I think you could tell that, like, he had a lot of expertise with that kind of horror and those stories and the, the realities of the spiritual world being spoken into, into life from the mortal world. I liked when he painted my numbers, but my problem, my biggest problem came... I would have ranked this book like a 3.5 out of 5 if the ending hadn't have come. <laughs> because I really think Gout like, spent 75% of this book being like, this is what I'm passionate about. I know this story. I've, I've read it a thousand times. I'm telling it in my own way. And I was like, okay, I'm about it. I find it entertaining. I'm not going to rank it above a 3.5 because it's Again, the same story I've read quite a few times, but I, I'm enjoying myself. And then he was like, but I want to be different. <laughs> and I want to be kind of like, my story's got to be different and a little edgier. And so you have that kind of rushed ending of, and fill in the details for me because my memory slips with the amount of books I read. But um, he goes to like 
the shrine and like the there's this other world that he can like enter into and then his girlfriend is like um he's gone and he's disappeared but she doesn't really remember him but then she can kind of remember him through the radio waves and then it just ends and i was like you banked on this mystery of who the person was that was trying to communicate with you and as soon as we heard your past trauma story i'm saying you in place of joaquin here as soon as we heard joaquin's past trauma story i immediately was like well it's your friend like your dead friend is the one that's talking duh and i was and then that mystery tries to turn into something big and bigger and more wild crazy ending and i just didn't think it landed and it kind of ruined a lot of the story for me because i liked the subtleties of the like speaking the spiritual world into reality and i would have liked to see more of oh you you spoke about me in this interview so now i actually have a body in this world that being something more and maybe like to eliminate him is to speak him away or something I thought it was going in that direction, which is admittedly more predictable, but I would have been more entertained than Leopoldo's rushed kind of weird end was my biggest problem. What about it didn't land for you? I, I, I kind of like the ambiguity. And I did find that throughout the novel, there was a few places where I got confused. And uh, when I, I first read it, I thought that that was, uh, like you pointed out, it was a debut novel. I had those same kind of thoughts. I was like, this sounds like an early novel, like, uh, kind of reads like one. But as I read for, as I read it the second time, I kind of thought that um, some of that confusing stuff might have been done more intentionally than I had initially uh, presumed. Because once the ending kind of comes around with that ambiguity, it's almost like you are not really, as a reader, I felt like, not really fully supposed to know uh, how much Joaquin really existed either, you know? Just like uh, how they realized that the ghost radio show uh, that they heard when they were kids didn't exist, you know? So, like, did ghost radio ever exist? Does it always exist? Is it both? Uh, I thought some of that ambiguity was pretty entertaining. Yeah, I don't know. It's not the ambiguity that didn't land for me. It's the it's this kind of like rushed fin- finality of it. Like, I'm okay with ambiguity if I can see it. Not if I can see it coming, but if I think it it develops more of the overarching narrative. I mean, No Country for Old Men is my favorite movie of all time, and the ambiguity in that it ends with a scene of Tommy Lee Jones just like relaying a dream that means nothing really but the dream kind of speaks to like i think he's saying something about anton Chigurh, and i think anton Chigurh is gonna like keep coming for him and that's what the dream means but it's up in the air i felt like this ending though it did like you say it kind of provided that like oh did joaquin ever exist we've spent 80 percent of the time knowing he did or believing he did very strongly it's the rushness for me. If he would have spent 50% of the time establishing Joaquin as, as a presence that we knew was real, then 25 breaking down our kind of perception of that, and then came to this ending of like, did a Joaquin ever exist? I think that would have been better, but it just kind of comes out of nowhere to me. I didn't, I thought it was a little rushed and I don't like a, that's probably my least favorite thing an ending can be. I love ambiguity. I don't like rushed 
That's interesting that you felt like it was rushed. I I didn't feel that way about it. No. I, I felt like I kind of saw it coming. Especially uh, the second time I read it. But it was kind of a confusing uh, narrative for sure with lots of like POV shifting and, and things like that. That, But I think that aided again in the mystery of the, of the read, you know? It wasn't the easiest narrative to understand, but I, I do think that was pretty intentional on, on the parts of Gout and the editors. Shut up! It's a beer of the week time, everybody! All right. Let's do it! Yeah. We all have different beers this time. We do! Beer of the week. Yeah, we... uh, well, uh, this is the official choice by Clay, who left yeah. it in my refrigerator. That's true. <laughs> It is Block 15 Brewing Company, Luna Obscura, Mexican-style dark lager. Yeah, I thought that was perfect. Set of Look at that. Fitting. Fitting. Looks love great. I love, the, I love the can. All right. Oh, yeah. Quiet on the mics. Yeah, couldn't hear it at all, but that's, nope. that's okay. <laughs> we have more tries, though, because, Jeremy, what do you got? We have oh, three well, more. You see, I've got this, uh, this flow state... Hazy IPA. Just okay. look, at, look at that. Whatever it is. Look at you that know? Thing. Ale brewed with Simcoe, Talus, Azaka, Eldorado. I don't know what any of those words are supposed to mean. Those are hops. All together. Yeah, there we go. Hops. Boy, those are some hops. <laughs> Different kinds. I bet. Yeah. I bet. <laughs> I bet. I wouldn't right, know Clay. that they aren't. Clay, what do you got? I've got the uh, Lightning Eagles Summer Shandy because summer is in full swing over here. I love, I love those beers. Beautiful. I love yeah. those this is one of Deanna's favorite beers. It's the first beer I ever drank uh, with my wife, actually. Aww. Um, yeah. So it's a real, real special, happy beer for me. Here it is. Like a perfect summer. Like it is a perfect boating beer. Boating? Or is that what you said? Or the uh... boating. Oh, okay. For people not from the Midwest, I was not prepared when I lived there to find out that everybody has that in their cooler. Yeah. Popping it out as soon as it's over 80. You wouldn't. How would you know? How would you know? Couldn't possibly. It's know. made in uh, it's made in Wisconsin. Yeah. Something like that. Or it Michigan. sounds pretty Wisconsin-y, Michigan-y, maybe minnesota Who knows? Minnesota. It's uh, a Milwaukee. There we go. We Wisconsin. Okay. I think their original brewery was like right on the border of Minnesota and Wisconsin. This one is uh, Chippewa Falls. Yeah, Chippewa Falls. And uh, it is bottled in Texas, though. Uh, oh. Doing those dinguses. Travis, what about you? What are you going to chug today? My beer, I'm not going to. Oh, I, sh I need to go get a glass if I'm going to chug. My beer comes with a bit of a rant. Oh, okay. Okay. Well, this is going to go places. <laughs> it's Bud Light. So, no, it's not Bud Light. I'm not. No, no. <laughs> Don't act like you're a Bud Light. Oh, you Bud fell Light. into that one. No, I'm not. I love Bud Light. Um, my rant is. I agree with the company's politics. So as I just know, shut up, Colin. <laughs> um, I just moved to Bozeman, right? Boz, Bozeman, Bos Angeles is referred to by a lot of people in Montana. And I walked in a gas station, and one of the reasons this town has gotten... Did you do the drive-thru? ...ridiculously expensive to live in is because of a certain show, okay? And that certain show is called Yellowstone. And everyone wants to move here because Yellowstone's so beautiful. Um, and in that gas station was a giant poster that said, Coors Banquet, drink like a Dutton. And oh, I hate yeah. It. 
I hated that with all of Beautiful. my being, but I have a Coors Banquet because apparently that's what they drink on the show. Yellowstone is really Coors. Really stupid. But Coors isn't stupid, right? No, I like Coors. Yeah, they're fine. I mean, there we go. That's a perfect sponsor. Of course, respect like Coors. It's Coors. Coors Black. Busher. It's just you know. They... It is Coors. Yep, You're right. I... And because this Sorry, is Kirst. the last episode, official episode of the season, I brought a second one to chug in solidarity. With <laughs> uh, chug? Wait, wait, chug with me. I, I'll yes. get a glass. Well, maybe we should all do that. Okay, yeah, yeah let's, all, let's all chug. Who could say? I'm going to mute really quick. I couldn't get anything less than a four-pack, so... Oh, he's... He's dipping <laughs> He's serious out. about that. He's stoked. He's never had a, 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 a. We've never done a full company chug. I know, right? This is. This I is told my wife simple. she could help me with this, so. But it is oversized. Yeah, I am tempted to taste well, this before it. chugging it. Also, but this I think is good. it'll ruin the experience. It will. You're right. Yeah. And plus, just look how picturesque this is. You took your time on that. I watched you pour three, four different times. Oh, yeah. It's, it's all, it's all about the room. love. Oh, good. Fruit snacks. You'll want those. Medium bodied, crisp, with notes of toasted nuts, <laughs> dark caramel, gentle hop, presence, and refreshing finish. Oh, uh, yeah, just. I'm just, chugging my uh, water. So I have think of all the glowing orange haze and the juicy aroma that I'm about to This reminds to me strongly of uh, Dosaki's Noir. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. I've never had Dosaki's Noir. I've only had a Modelo Negra. Oh, yeah, Modelo Negra. Yeah, it's good. It is good, too. All right. Solidarity, Chad. It's going down for real. Everybody in your car is listening to the radio. Pull I, over. I would also like the record to show before I chug this course. I do like Bud Light and have nothing wrong with the politics. So Colin was just being a jerk. <laughs> what? <laughs> Crazy. That's t so out of character for Colin. So, so out of character. <laughs> All right, Travis. Uh, shoot the take it away. Ziggy zaggy, oi oi oi. Oh god, I failed. <laughs> oh, I made it further than Travis. You did, yeah. I failed. <laughs> I've had a messed up stomach all night. Oh god, my brain is frozen. I've done it. Sweet baby Ray. Victory. I only got most of the way down. I've lost a step since the old theater days. <laughs> Good job, Clayton. Thank you. Should have busted out my keys and did a shotgun. Like yeah. a man. Well, you had a four-pack, I thought. It's not too late. That's... <laughs> yeah, I should just slam <laughs> four tall IPAs. You know, I on agree. a Tuesday... Yes, on a Tuesday right. night. Beautiful. It's All right. good. <laughs> I'm going to drive a car after this. Oh, no. Attaboy. Yeah. Call it. Yeah, call some it. Yeah, so that? that's a uh, fermented fact. Yeah. yeah, we need fermented facts. Our next segment, fermented facts with Colin. Colin, over to you with facts. Have you heard of... Um, Jeffrey Epstein? No, sorry, wrong one. Oh. The show? Yes, but. Or Instinct? Or Zoo? I think that was an NBC, no, a CBS series. Yeah, it was really bad. <laughs> well, <Yeah>. the executive, <laughs> one of the executive producers of all of them was none other than Leopoldo Gout. Oh, oh okay. 
Way to what? go, Leopoldo. I knew you could do yeah. One of his shows, and it was bad. <laughs> so, sorry, Leopoldo. Way to go. Wow. Fell into that. Okay. Fine. What are you going to do? Instinct, also. So, I think, really, Leopoldo's gout, uh, I, uh, Leopoldo gout's success really came about when he was working with James Patterson on um, producing and creating the adaptations of his books. So oh. a lot of his IMDb is along with that. And gee, who would have thought the blurb for Ghost Radio was James Patterson, the number one blurb on there. Mm. So okay. those two have a relationship. Perhaps that's how they got Pedro Pascal. I still don't know. Still haven't found that out. I'm pretty sure he just does what he wants. Because but he, he is... Mexican. He went and studied in London and then lives in New York City now, has written several books here, uh, one including with, uh, I guess it's a graphic novel with James Patterson, Alien Hunter. Mm. So he's done all sorts of uh, fun projects, but most of that, basically, he did largely film uh, until like this uh, book came out in, I think, 2008. And um, he's, I think like a lot of it is biographical. So there's a lot of his own interests in this book, which definitely shows. Mm -hmm. Yeah, he's also been like a cartoonist, I believe, which is like pretty prominent in the story as well. Yeah, and his, uh, his, the information on his biography is like, you know, uh, producer, writer, director, author, blah, 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 blah. it kind of goes on and on. <laughs> so he's definitely done virtually everything creative at some point in his life. Bit of a renaissance man. It's a great title to have. It yep. is. Yeah, yep. if you can really be one. I agree. Is uh, You got anything else there, Colin? Those are the facts. facts. Those are That's good facts. All the facts. Solid facts. Now you know. Oh, dude, dude, I have to mention facts. You know. I, I, always, I always hijack... <laughs> Colin's uh, segment, but I was gonna say to your point in your argument. You know what? Actually, I'll save that yeah, response, response to your argument, even though it is kind of a fun fact. Maybe we can have another, uh, you know, logo that shows up that's um, dedicated to Travis hijacking fermented facts. <laughs> yeah, yeah. This hijacking. It'll be like fermented that. hijacking. It'll be the fermented facts ba banner, and then like I bust through. Yes, and then things just explode everywhere, and we all just get covered head to toe with knowledge. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you should totally do it. Yep, just gotta. <laughs> You're special. Uh, all right, now we Jeremy. Hey, no, yeah, me. Notes. Oh boy, howdy! Do I have notes? Uh, and you know, uh, the the notebook. With the alien writing, it's made a comeback. Thank goodness. I was starting to feel uncomfortable. <sighs> not, a, not everybody knows about the alien writing. Jeremy writes an alien. Jeremy, show us the alien writing. Ah, yes. Well, you see, I've got... I, I have come up with a superior alphabet because <laughs> I felt like it. And that's, yeah. It's just better than what you're writing with. And no, I'm not okay. taking any questions at this time. No questions, yes, right. sir. Turning shapes into noises. It's good. Love that. <laughs> yeah. So that's, you know, hey, notes. Notes. We've got notes. Uh, so, first note here. Uh, you should never apologize for loving Pedro. 
you know? It's okay. <laughs> right. We can Agreed. just all accept that we read this book for one reason and one reason only, and that reason has just, you know, husky dulcet tones whispering into your ear what's for a while. What's that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, Sorry. He's, o- dog, he's over here, actually. The dog loves Pedro. So. Oh, of course, you know. Absolutely. The dog has taste. Come on now. So yeah, that's number one. It's note number one. Uh, my next note isn't actually about the, about the book. It's more of a side note. Side note side. having to do with it. Um, it just says, Edgy Clay was weird. Edgy <laughs> Clay was pretty weird. It was like... It's true. Can, can attest. It, it was. It's like watching a koala that thinks it's a grizzly bear. <laughs> it, okay. Yeah. Was I'm, that I'm a, still on board? Was that a short joke? It wasn't. Not a short joke. <laughs> <laughs> because it could have been. Mm-hmm. It could have been. And it that's been. that's accurate. good enough for me. I was essentially a drop bear, and we can leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> We'll, we'll leave it at that. I'm sure we'll revisit the rap phase at some point, and that's good. The rap phase was great. Yeah, that that was, didn't have anything to do with that, this. That was fire. That's, a, that's we, an unrelated note. Can we advertise your album on <laughs> Fermented Fiction? Yes, I want to be platinum by yeah. the end of the year. Yep. Well, we'll be 14 to 16 viewers closer. Beautiful. Buy the album, everybody. Let's go. Band of Pimp. Band Pedro, of Pimp. share it. China. Yeah, pay, <laughs> share. Now, if Pedro shares it, That'll help. Yeah, that'll, that'll, help that'll help. He's going to give it to Taylor Swift. You might have to open for her on her next oh, concert. Jeez. Well, I don't know if I can be bothered. It depends on where the concert is. You know, <laughs> I'm a busy guy. Got Crypticon this week. <laughs> Got Crypticon. She is coming to Seattle this summer. So there yeah, you go. Yeah, yeah. You would know that, Jeremy. Yeah, because my wife but... is going to the concert. <laughs> yeah, well, I, I understand why. That's yeah. Uh, all right. What what else? What, what do you else? Got? Okay. Um. So let's see. You can always tell, right, when somebody is telling a story based on like something they've done before, and more mm-hmm. importantly, you can always tell when somebody is telling a story about something they have no idea about. So I'm glad this mm. uh, was in the in the former category, as a a former former cook i always dislike it in in movies shows uh books whatever when cooks are portrayed as anything other than absolute psychopaths because <laughs> they are they all are it is when it you is go really out to intensive. eat yeah when you go out to eat you go out to eat knowing for sure that your meal will be cooked by a psychopath <laughs> that's there's there's no two ways about it and you know not if the food's good even if it's bad (laughs) kind of especially if it's bad yeah i guess so you know you know you know yeah Yeah. you know so you know know. (laughs) life experience i'm glad this has some of that i guess is where i've landed and frankly that's that's all for my notes this time. Short notes. I know. What's yeah? I mean, you guys, you 
you guys were too civil during your debate. Hardly this was one of our more about. civil. I know. More civil debates. I was just like, wow, they're making some thoughtful points and just like, oh, they're being very respectful, not yelling at anybody. Yeah, we don't usually do that. And, you know, we'll, when we get into what we actually think, maybe that'll sh shed some light on why. Uh, Travis, why don't yeah. we kick that off? What did you actually think? Um, I was pretty much honest. Also, if anyone hears a barking corgi in the background, I apologize. Uh, can't control that right now. Um, Nothing can do about it. No. I wasn't dishonest. I do think the ending was rushed. Uh, big time. I was dishonest. A big but time I don't think the rest of the book was that bad. I th it reminded me a lot of... I listened to this podcast when I was road tripping to... Tennessee, uh, when I lived there for a little bit, and it was called The Black Tapes, and it was like this fictional story about this like journalist who discovers a bunch of recordings of like ghost experiences and stuff, and works with a skeptic scientist to like figure out. And it was kind of the same thing. It was really cool individual stories like interspersed into this woven together single narrative, and then just like this story, it just like ended <laughs> so i was like kind of had a flashback of of the black tapes and how disappointed i was that it never got picked up for a fourth season and i thought this book just rushed the ending but i didn't hate it like it's i it, out of five stars i'd probably give it a th i think i gave it a three on goodreads because i think mm -hmm. it's entertaining i think the the radio stuff was really cool i liked all the the way that he took a overarching narrative but was able to weave in like basically short horror stories mm -hmm. with this focus of the radio show. I liked that because whenever I started to get bored with Joaquin's story, usually it would cut to like a radio and I would get a different story. And I agree with your point that I think it is one that deserves to be listened to mm -hmm. because Pedro does a really good job. Um, and the radio part is cool. It really does feel like you're listening to the ghost radio show in your car if you're like driving and listening to it um mm -hmm. trying to think yeah that's pretty much my opinion it's it's okay i didn't mind it i don't hate it i, I think that's stirring endorsement indian indian was way <laughs> <laughs> no i do think uh a big reason why the debate today was so civil is because we didn't have a lot of strong feelings about it you know um I pretty much agreed with all your points, and you more or less agreed with mine. And so it wasn't really like, uh, it wasn't volatile. You only get volatile when you like really hate something or really like something, and you hear someone else do the opposite. Mm -hmm. Which, you know, you and me do that all the time. But we, uh, yeah, felt pretty in agreement. I agreed with all your points, too, to the contrary. Um, the only thing I would have added if I would have lost the role was like, I li I actually lied about a lot of uh, my things. I, I did, first of all, and I do got to say this, sorry to end Pedro Pascal month on this note, but like, you can tell he's a film actor, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> it's it's hard to be in... It's hard to be an audiobook I'm narrator. So man. Sorry, I'm a, so sorry, Pedro. I'm so sorry. No, please don't go. Sorry, Somebody Pedro. hold go. Pedro, just play with the corgi. It's okay. Yeah. Now, I thought uh, Pedro's Joaquin was awesome. I meant that. Um, like him hosting the show. Like if he was playing Joaquin in a movie, I'd be all about that. Um, 
but he doesn't have the the very like subtle nuanced range of a very experienced audiobook narrator with the ability to make two characters who are very much similar sound like different people that is so hard to do but like there were definitely periods where if joaquin and gabriel were both on stage at the same time i was like i have no idea who's who <laughs> if i were reading i think i would know but because i'm listening i don't i don't really know um, and I know you're being a laundra because you're being seductive sounding. So that's your, that's a laundra. And I get it kind of a vibe, but like, um, no, it's pretty wasn't the best audio it sounds pretty heard. seductive a lot of the time. That's true. Yeah. He has no control over that, uh, being daddy and all, but, uh, I do, I still thought he did a good job. I didn't think he did like a bad job or anything. Um, I still do recommend you listen to it. So, you know, I'll say that. Um, but there are some narrators uh, who just pretty much do audiobooks who are just so good at that uh, that when you compare them, it's it's hard. You can tell when actors aren't audiobook narrators by trade. That's all I'm saying about that, really. Yeah. It's like a very, very specific skill set. That was going to be my, my fact was um, you said you, you mentioned there's a few audiobook narrators that like actually bring in listeners just by their merit and i think that's like michael kramer and kate redding that did mm -hmm. wheel of time and do all of brandon sanderson's work like they're fantastic and then when the wheel of time show came out rosamund pike the actress that plays moraine narrated eye of the world and it like wasn't even close to the quality no. like no. she's a good actress i don't mind rosamund pike but but like compared no, to michael i mean kramer and kate redding it was like like you say the subtle nuances no <laughs> yeah it's a it's a whole art in itself i mean like uh will wheaton did the did the martian you know mm. and the martian it will wheaton's a great actor he's a great uh writer a great comedian but like he's not not the best audiobook narrator he didn't do the martian he did uh john scalzi's stuff well who did the martian some yet that guy's really good that audiobook read is great but he doesn't do a whole lot of voices it is it's it's will wheaton colin i know what i'm talking about here it is will wheaton i just looked not up. the audible that i listened to of the martian so well that's fine well, the one i listened to is will wheaton and Weird. it's the it, it does exist will wheaton did do the martian there must be another one but the Martian I listened to was by Will Wheaton. I'm using it for my comparison here because it tracks. Uh, I think that he and Pedro are very similar in that I like them very much in their one field, but when they cross over into the other, not quite as good. Sounds like Leopoldo is uh, the same way. I much prefer him as a writer to a TV person after I looked up the TV he's done. Yeah. Um, so I did like Ghost Radio, but yeah, it didn't like knock my socks off either. I agree with you about the ending. I think it was... Uh, yeah. I made up the ambiguity thing. I I didn't think the ending was good. I was I was actually totally scratching my head at the end. Like, oh, wait, oh, wait a second, Joaquin's not here anymore. What happened? You know? Um, and I literally I had to listen to it again because I was like, I don't want to sound stupid on the show. Basically, R.C. Bray. That's who you listen to. R.C. Bray. Nice. Okay. Which right above it you'll see is Red Shirts, narrated by Will Wheaton. <laughs> Well, there you go. There you go. Right. But you well, I don't that, disagree. You know, sounding stupid on the show is actually very good. People love that. <laughs> I do it all the. T I do it all the time. I do do it for the show. It's uh, great when one stupid. or more of us sounds yeah. really, really dumb. I talked about my 
gastrointestinal problems last time because I was a little buzzed. So, oh, yeah, didn't you think, ever? I don't think anyone can top that. <laughs> I don't know. I think my arcane episode will always be uh, always be not proud. I'll never be proud of that one. I should say. <laughs> no, I agree. Yeah. With you. And has it? Uh, what was I going to say? Lipolo. Eh. That it? Yeah, I don't know. That ending was just. I like. I got it. I th- like I I was confused. I did not get it. I I got like, okay, what's trying to happen is an Ammonite Shyamalan six sense sort of oh plot twist. Didn't see that coming. Whoa! But like what? <laughs> like the main character and so Joaquin and Gabriel made an altar, and the altar was the forebearer of a machine that bridges worlds yeah and he got sucked up into it what i kind of that'll happen sometimes and he got sucked up you know world like happens sometimes you get sucked up sci-fi happened and then you know there you go yeah you know i think it was more spiritual i would say more spiritual than sci-fi yeah why i'd say more but it's like for me it didn't it didn't land you know like it didn't stick the landing like it was like mm-hmm. it had all the elements. There was like the Toltecs and mm-hmm. a supernaturalism and paranormal, and but then also sci-fi because it was a machine and these things combine, mm-hmm. right? But it's like, yeah, but like, how did that happen? With, with like how? With no, I I agree with you, Colin. I, like I if, think if Joaquin murdered there. someone and then the blood went into the thing, and I don't know, then. I just didn't. I, I didn't get the explanation I was looking for for why that happened. I also don't. Yeah. think The Toltecs weren't as good of a. What's the expression? The gun. Uh, Chekhov's gun. Chekhov's, yeah, Chekhov's gun. gun. The Toltecs weren't as weren't adequate enough as a Chekhov's gun. Like they kind of felt like their own separate thing from the machine that came at the end, and then I felt like the machine just came out of nowhere. Yeah. I think the. The author was trying to use the Toltecs as Chekhov's gun of like, oh, I'm hinting at this thing that's going to happen at the end. But if I don't know anything about the Toltecs and you don't adequately explain like why they're connected to this machine, then I'm not going to feel payoff when the machine finally shows up. Whereas like... Deus Ex Machina. Yeah, Deus Ex Machina. But even those are often hinted at. Like that happens in... I love the Dresden Files. Dresden Files uses Deus Ex Machina all the time. But the Deus Ex Machina devices are always like... A Dresden File novel goes that like something gets introduced at the beginning that seems pointless. But you know, by the end of that novel, that pointless thing is going to be something that like saves Dresden. And like that's where I think Leopoldo was trying to do with the Toltecs is like... I'm going to introduce this concept early, but I don't know anything about them, and he didn't explain it well enough. So when the machine came, I was like, okay, so he went into a different world, but like like you say, how? (laughs) I don't know what happened. You don't know everything there is to know about the Toltecs like the rest of us? 
But there is for sure an info dump, so it's not like we don't get info about the Toltecs, because there's a big old info dump where they're yeah. like, well, you know the Toltecs? No, yeah, I mean, I know they did this. No, that's what people say the Toltecs did, but it was invented by the Aztecs, and really the Toltecs are more an Aztec conception, and you can read this book, this book, and this book, which are real books. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I was like, okay. That's classic, classic Alondra, bro. Uh, but I... I Classic Elantra, yeah. Yeah. Well, here's what I grabbed from it, and I didn't grab it again until the second read, so I, I feel you guys. But the uh, the second read, there is a lot of emphasis on Joaquin's radio personality sort of being this spiritual transcend uh, transcendental type of state that he enters. Yeah. Like he uh, when he's talking to these people about their stories... Alondra notes almost like a flow state you could say Alondra oh you said it Alondra does mention that she notices that and then you know Joaquin also reflects on it so it it is there and in my opinion that's what like how he got there but I agree like it wasn't spelled out in so much plain English for us to like really understand it and there just is a level of that that you have to do uh, I don't that, that I don't I don't think was there for for like 90 percent of people to connect the dots. Like, honestly, I think if everybody read it a second time, you'd probably see it, too. But it, it was like I totally had to read it a second time when I hit that ending the first time. I was like, what the f just happened, dude? Like. So I, I feel it. Here's That's exactly how I, I was totally scratching my head. I was like, what is going on in, in this? I was really liking this for like 80%. And now I don't know where I am. Here, here's where I think there's a difference with like good story versus a great story. And, and again, I'll use No Country. But I can also use another Pedro project. The, the first episode of The Last of Us. Forget use that. The rest of the yeah, show. Do it, we're not talking about the rest of the show. We're talking about the first episode. Mm. So a good story. The Apollo story. Like Clay says, you, you see it a second time and you see like, oh, that's how he got to the ending. I think a great story is there's more in the details to the payoff than you see in your first go, but you mm -hmm. still get the payoff. Mm -hmm. so, like, totally. so like I say The Last of Us, the first episode, because you know the virus is coming, you know this big blowout, you know, infection thing is going to spread and you can see like some of the reasons for it but if you watch it again and pick up all the like there's a bunch of subtleties to why joel and ellie don't get infected uh, and it's because as you watch the show you realize you learn that it's from from grains and ellie forgets his birthday cake uh ellie is offered oatmeal cookies at the neighbor's house and doesn't eat them and she's like oh oatmeal gross or not ellie, sorry. joel's daughter not ellie um, Joel's daughter is offered oatmeal cookies at the house and doesn't eat them. Joel, I think, is supposed to pack a sandwich for work and forgets it. And it's like all these little things of like, oh, that's cool. Like, that's why, you know, and like her giving him the gift of the watch at the beginning of the episode. He looks at his wrist and like slaps it because he doesn't have a watch because it's broken. And then like whips out his phone and looks at the time. You don't need any of that, but it makes the end better but you still can get the end. That's where I think like, like no country I've watched. Maybe I would say, honestly, not even lying 25 times. I, I love that. 
and I still pick new stuff up. Mm-hmm. But my first viewing of that movie, I was in love with it. But now I go mm-hmm. back and I'm just like, oh, I missed that little detail. Whereas Leopoldo's, I'm like, the first time I read it, I was like, what? <laughs> like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. think your ending payoff worked because you missed those details. Whereas your ending payoff should have worked. And then me going back and visiting again should have made it even better. Yeah, requiring a second reading or viewing is always a negative. Yeah, it's know? not good. Yeah, it's a negative the, for sure. It kind of blows. But I think the other thing too is that it doesn't need to be explained, like especially in a horror story. I think there are two kinds of horror stories. There's the ones that are like realistic where stuff needs to be explained because like this is the real world and then here's the explanation for why this crazy thing happens then there's the other sorts of horror stories that are like no we're not going to explain this like this crazy things happens and this isn't a story where we explore how this realistically could happen that you know the point is more psychological it's more about the emotional states of the characters and stuff so yeah i don't think you needed to do one or the other necessarily but i think maybe it needs to be clear as to what kind of story it is because i think those are for kind of different people or they're they should be pretty clear from the storyline get-go like you know this is supposed to be realistic here's the explanation versus you know, you're along for the journey. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna explain stuff, you gotta really commit to explaining yeah. a lot of stuff. <laughs> yeah, Otherwise, I people are gonna be like, eh? What? I know that's I'm really not, good. I know that's a really good point, Colin, because I'm gonna compare it to a book that I consider great, one of my favorite horror books of all time, uh, which is The House of Leaves by uh, Mark C. Daniel Lewski. One yeah. of the best horror books ever. One of the best, like, mind books of all time. Um, and that is a book that very much like you never know what's going on, like Colin said. Uh, it's all about the emotional state of the characters, um, and nothing really gets explained. But that is very much the established, like, parameter of the world. You, like, you don't expect to understand it at the end. And it kind of, like, it's another one like uh, No Country. I think you could read House of Leaves like 50 times and you'd still see stuff that you've never seen before um this book like sort of tries to do that um but it doesn't it doesn't pull it off i don't think we need to understand the mechanics of like why joaquin uh, disappears at the end but we do we do need to understand why on some yeah and stephen king does it all the time like in uh his um jfk series right there it doesn't explain why there's a portal in time you know it's just there is but there are rules about how it works and that's what the character discovers is what are the rules to this thing and he did the same thing in um the uh the dark tower series too there are doors between dimensions literal doors (laughs) some are wood some are steel yeah Yeah, no it just is. But there are rules to how they you, work. If rules are good to have whether you explain all the way or not. And Daniel Lewski, uh, House of Leaves, there are also like some rules. Nobody really understands them all the way, and that's kind of where the mystery comes. Yeah. Uh, but they do know some things. They're like, this is only going to get bigger. This is only going to expand. It's like kind of the universe eating everything. I love Death Note for the same reason, because it's like the premise is ridiculous and it knows it. But the coolest thing about it is literally each section or episode is like, here's another rule. You know, yeah. here's another rule. Like the plot itself hinges on like learning these new rules to how this thing works which is the coolest part 
And that's that's a really good example of like you don't always need to know exactly why something is working if you have a good idea of how it's working. Like what it mm -hmm. takes to make it work and, and that kind of thing. I wrote up a class um, when I was doing my last my masters, I wrote up a class that was like a using fantasy literature as a primer for uh, religious study. And it's that same exact reason that you see in horror as well of like fantasy literature requires a lot of just acceptance of the rules and then holding the author to what those rules would entail and what those rules would do for the world. And the primer being for religious studies, because every religion starts with the creation story. And it's like, okay, accept the creation story, and you now have a set of things that you have to believe in. And what do those things say about the world in which you inhabit? So, like, if you accept the Navajo creation story, what does that say about the world you're in now? And mm. the realities that you're living with? Well, it says that you should treat the Earth as a sacred being. Uh, that's a small example, but I think that's the same with like horror with fantasy. I think they're great primers for that in, in my classroom of, you know, when an author has given you a rule, which that might be my problem. I'm now realizing with ghost rodeo, that rule doesn't really come ghost till the rodeo. end. Ghost rodeo. Ghost rodeo. That that's sounds what I incredible. I want that to be on my very... desk Monday. <laughs> I want that. That would be a very different, a very yeah. different, and I'm totally into it all. No, people, <laughs> no. Genius. Let's go. Ghost Radio, I think that the rules don't get established until later in the story. Whereas, like, King, like you say, Colin, Stephen King establishes early in the Dark Tower there are doors between these worlds. Okay. You don't have to explain the doors, but now we know those doors exist. What are the consequences of those doors? <laughs> like, what is the reality of a world in which there's those kinds of doors in it? Yeah. 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 If you get too much into, like, trying to explain something like, say, interdimensional travel or unintentionally reaching the paranormal uh, beyond the veil through your ghost radio show, then you get away from the story you're really trying to tell. Like, yeah. if you're not trying to tell a hard sci a hard sci-fi story exists to, like, often, I feel like, tell that story of the science, you know? And, like, what implications that has on humanity and the universe. And that often becomes a narrative of, like, a hard sci-fi or hard fantasy. Um, but in a soft one, like this, uh, then the story really is, it's about the characters, it's about the world, it's about how they're affected by the thing. So we don't need to fully understand the thing. We just need to. It's a good title. It affects everybody. The book really is about Ghost Radio. It really is. And the it best really parts is. of it uh, are the show. The best parts of it are the show. Absolutely. Like oh, yeah. I, I wanted to just hear the show. I yeah. <laughs> the stuff that wasn't happening on the show was always less interesting. Um. So yeah, it was a really cool concept. A little bit shoddy in the execution, especially at the end. I was pretty entertained up until the end, honestly, and then. Yeah, like you said, Travis, maybe the last 10-15% of the novel, it was kind of like a... This, it felt like it needed, I don't know, more time to breathe, or maybe less time to breathe, honestly. Uh, less tangential stuff. Um, How many times has that happened to you this season? Of like, 
you've texted the group like halfway through a book. Oh, this is great. Oh, so many times. My God. So many times. So many times. I have I, to chill out. I have yeah, to finish things. I remember things you I talking excited. to me about Fairy Tale, being like, it's pretty fucking good, right? I'm like, yeah, I think so. I'm only part of the way through it, but it seems good so far. Then yeah, it, it wasn't. Though. Weird. <laughs> yeah, I got to the. I was not happy with Fairy Tale. Not a good, not a good follow through. Um, but what are we? How many beers for Ghost Radio before we get too off topic here? How many beers, Travis? Ghost Radio. Um, I'm gonna say a beer for every like romantic scene, because that's another thing I would have criticized. Grand mm-hmm. uh, too. Apollo writes romance very well, so that that's like four. And then I'm I'm pounding two in the Ooh. confusion of the last one. So a six pack. Okay. A whole six pack. And the last six. two the last two are chugs because I'm just like, I don't know what's going on. Fair enough. Mm. Jeremy. Oh, hey me. Uh well, I would give uh I would say you know it's hard to say because it's difficult to say how many sittings it takes to get mm. through a book at any given time especially audio and especially since oh seven hours hours? yeah hmm okay and especially since i'm driving a car basically every time i'm listening listening to an audiobook i'm gonna Mm -hmm. still say for each sitting so i guess that's seven seven sittings i'll give it the same number of beers as i would rate it in stars, which is three and a quarter. <laughs> All right. I'm going to jail. So that's like 21 beers. 20, 23, maybe. 22? 22. 22. Yeah. It's no, I don't know. I'm not yeah, pulling out a calculator in for this. 22 range. 22 range. I mean, my teachers always said I would never have a calculator with me no. at all times, but now I do. So. Wait. And I'm just not going to use it. I think it'd be, it has to be like 25, right? Because you would have at least two more quarters in the 25 there. Uh, fine. After I'll seven. use the calculator. Are you, you totally? Happy? You totally would. You, it would be 25.75, right? While he's calculating. 22 and three quarters. 22 and three quarters. Colin. Oh, sorry. Yeah, 20. I meant 23. All right. But I was still wrong. Good to know. How many beers? Nueve. Cool. Wait, what? Nine. Okay. Nine. Yeah. But, but more importantly is the drinking game, which is you take a shot of tequila every time we're reminded that Alondra wears combat boots. Uh, <laughs> it's a lot. There's a lot of times. It's yeah, a lot of times. Tequila. By the way, did you? Why did I go out and buy she beer walked, for this? She stormed away with her combat boots on, echoing down mm-hmm. the hallway, and then drinking every time a character is horny. You can have a dos equis. I think both that's dos also a lot. I think that's more. Yeah, than both dos equis. Colin, I think that's more <laughs> by the end. <laughs> so I can't like well, halfway yeah, through the book. I was be... like, okay, yeah, that's 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 they're the drinking horny. game. That's the number horny. of. I got that right away. Yeah, they're horny. So, yeah, number so Colin, your answer is a bottle of tequila and. An 18 pack of Dosaki. Yeah. <laughs> so alcohol poisoning. Just alcohol yeah. poisoning? <laughs> yeah. So this is officially our highest rated okay. episode of all time. Right? It's yeah. a book. It takes a while. So yeah, you can spread it out. So maybe not Ghost poisoning, Radio. but definitely a problem. Our Ghost Radio reviews so far include a six pack, um, driving while drunk, and alcohol poisoning. 
Clay. Yeah. <laughs> All right. No good. pressure. No pressure here. Yeah. I mean, you know, I would just recommend uh, maybe two two nice Doseki Zambers each time you sit down with the book. So you know, if you're reading a, an hour's worth each time, then. You'll be sitting at a nice, cozy 14. All right. Do you know uh, the number hey, of pages? Right. I do feel like the audiobook was only like seven hours. It was. I just... It was. Yeah, yeah it's like it was seven. Short. So if you read, probably like... you read relatively the same pace as Pedro, you'd be sitting at a solid 14. Oh, yeah. I, I put him up to 1.25. Yeah, you'll want, you want that. I mean, I Let's usually how, do that kind of thing. Let's see how close I am. Let's see how close I am. Because I, I think seven and a hours would be about 250 pages. I don't know how close I'll get though. Length. Paperback. Thank you, Jeffrey Bezos, for telling us the page numbers on your website. I'm a hundred Four hundred and sixty-eight. Okay. All right. But like, I feel like wasn't Fairy Tale like thirty-five hours or something? Fairy Tale was so long <laughs> that was like 30 hours i swear like <laughs> more than double. god i read the whole thing by which i mean i listened to the whole thing it was a lot though then you get like a brandon what's brandon sanderson uh yeah don't even don't travis down this road lies pain the way of kings is 45 hours uh, yeah yeah no Bye. the longest read is uh, the name of the wind. No, way of kings is longer. No, that's no, I'm not talking about length. I'm talking about boredom. He's oh. talking about girth. <laughs> well, we're talking about girth. We'll cover uh, we'll cover the name girth. of the wind in the future. I I uh, I have thoughts about I have thoughts about that one. Oh, well, well. Very twenty four hours. Very tells twenty four hours. Okay. Oh, there you go. Twenty four yeah, hours. That's not so bad. Uh, a a so number of which you're not getting back. <laughs> <laughs> that's true most of them most of them you're not getting back oh well king charlie it came back oh. uh, what a what a button up for this <laughs> what, God what bless dilly, us i want to say dilly dilly but that's not what it was it dilly wasn't dilly yeah. is like that's a beer commercial i'm that like 100 yeah. percent sure it's bud light Bud Light. Dilly Dilly. Sponsor us, Dilly Dilly. Yeah. That's right. They had the Bud Night and everything. They did. Yah Yah. Was it Yah Yah? Oh, yeah. It was Yah Yah. And, or, Nah Nah. That's Nah Nah. That's what it was. Nah Nah. Nah Nah. There we go. I had to make sure I get all three. We had three references from that. Dog Charlie. French Charlie. Nah Nah. Well, that was really something, wasn't it? Happy season, everybody. I have one more thought. Oh, good. What's your thought? Love Stephen King well enough, but sure. definitely a bit misogynistic sometimes. I, that, sure. That book, fairy tale. Fairy tale. I was like, you've held back many of your misogynistic things, and then Charlie and the the first time he sleeps with someone, princess thing. I was like, never mind. <laughs> yeah, you know, there, there they are, Stephen. Look, sometimes yeah. he just gets They're to slip there. in his weirdly horny bits because the editors, they don't look at it too much. They read, <laughs> like, maybe every other they, chapter. They were bored by the that point in the novel. <laughs> they were like, oh, yeah. They'd already given up. I'm They're like, Steven doesn't listen to us anymore. They were like, if we... If we say we'll it publish it, can we stop reading it? And he's like, yes. Thank yeah. God. <laughs> Go. All right. <laughs> 
right. Heck of a season, everybody. Thanks oh, for all yeah. your time and effort. Jeremy and Colin, thanks for doing all this back-end tech stuff. Uh, Travis, thanks for showing up from Montana an hour later than us every single week. Uh, Cascade Riders, thanks for existing in general and for letting us be your podcast. It's a true honor. Uh, thank you, Special Brews, for giving us beer all year and giving Travis that neato hat. That is pretty neato. Most importantly, thank you, listeners, for being here, uh, for sending me comments, for listening, and and just for existing in general as well. We really appreciate you, and we couldn't do it without you. We'll see you next season. We'll be recording live August 5th and 6th. So we will let you know more about that, but we're going to be recording live for two straight days. We're going to do a whole bunch of episodes. We're going to have some guests. We might even have some live music. It's going to be really awesome. We're going to have Robert Piatone from Spooky House Press. He's going to be popping in for his author interview of the month uh, during that live recording session as well. So it's going to be really cool. Make sure you're there. That's all I got. Thank you for for being the fermented folks. It'll be your birthday. And it's Travis's Travis's birthday. birthday. This is what we're giving him for his present. Work. Yeah. 16 hours of work. 16 hours. (laughs) 16 beers and lengthy discussions. Yeah, that's two of Travis's favorite things, so it'll it'll be great. It is. Yeah, it sounds like a win-win. That's not even a joke. (laughs) No, not at all. All right, Fermented folks, thank you for being here. Thank you, everybody on the team. Uh, And uh, we'll see you next season. Goodbye. Bye, everybody. I didn't read the book. Bye.